Hey everyone, welcome to the weekly Beach Church Message podcast. This was a very special week for us as it was Mother's Day and we celebrated by having some moms at Beach Church join Pastor Jerry for the message. They talked about what does it mean to actually raise kids who follow Jesus. So it's a great message. You're going to really enjoy it today. One of the things we'd love to point out and highlight to you is we have something new starting here at Beach Church. They are called Four Groups. Here at Beach, we believe in being for our community because we believe God is for all the people in our community. These special groups are going to be a way for us to be able to serve our community. So what is a four group? It's simply a group of people who get together once a month and they go before our community in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's serving at a place like Pablo Towers and just meeting and being with some of the people in our community, pulling weeds at our local schools, or whatever else your group will come up with to be for our community, that's what a four group is. And so we'd love for you to consider being a part of that. There's going to be an info meeting this coming Sunday. Uh, on May 15th after both services. So you can do that in person or online, or you can just sign up for a four group by going to todayatbeach.com. So let's do this. Let's get ready for today's conversation with our moms and enjoy all that God has for us this week. So uh, happy Mother's Day. And today we wanted to do something a little different instead of Hearing from the guy with a mic, we wanted you to actually hear from mothers in different stages and seasons of life. And um, a couple of things I want to remind us of as we think about parenting and about impacting the next generation. The first thing is, a few weeks ago, I brought up a big jar of marbles, and uh, there were 936 marbles in the jar. And that represents the numbers of weeks that a parent has between the birth of their child and 18 years of age. And I know that if you've got some toddlers in your house right now, you're thinking, that's an eternity. But um, I can assure you that time flies by. And before you know it, they're walking out the door, going off to college, getting married, getting a job. And so um, we have a limited amount of time to impact the next generation. And the second thing is um, statistically, it has been said that most people place their trust in Jesus, um, 80% plus uh, place their trust in Jesus before the age of 18. So that means we have a limited amount of time and an exceptional opportunity to impact the next generation and give our kids something more than just a roof over their head, something more than an education. Give them the most important relationship that they will ever have on this side of eternity. And so that's what today is all about. You're not gonna hear anything about perfect parenting or about perfect faith because we all missed that train a long time ago. But what we are gonna talk about is intentionality intentionality to give our, our, the next generation everything they need so that one day, by God's help, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they will make the decision for themselves to place their trust in Jesus. Uh, there's a passage in uh, 2 Timothy, and 2 Timothy is this very unusual book. It, it's a letter from Paul to a young man named Timothy. But what makes it unusual is that this is at a time where Paul knows his life is almost over. 
He is in prison and he knows that, that he is getting ready to, for his life to end. And so who do you reach out to when your life is almost over? Probably the most important people in your life. And so here Paul is reaching out from prison to a young man by the name of Timothy for whom he feels like he is a spiritual father for this young man. And as Paul, as Paul goes on to encourage Timothy to use his gifts for God and to be the leader God's called him to be, uh, in the very beginning, as Paul kind of starts the letter, he reminds Timothy of two very important people in his life, in Timothy's life. One was his grandmother, Eunice. Lois, I get that backwards every time. His grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. It's the only time their names are ever mentioned in the Bible. And yet these two unsung heroes played such an amazing role in this young Timothy's life that helped him to discover the most important relationship of all and go on to make a huge impact for the kingdom of God. And so parenting, influencing the next generation has a ripple effect for all of eternity. And so today we wanna talk about how do we be more intentional in helping our children to come to know Jesus. And uh, that can happen in a lot of different ways. And so today, uh, I wanna uh, introduce you to these mothers who come from different seasons of mothering, different family situations. So I wanna let them introduce themselves. Good morning. Good morning, my name's Denise Sweat. And together, Jerry and I have three children between the ages of 28 and 35, and we have a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law, two granddaughters, and then women, I want you to lean in for a minute because God does some really cool things in life. Um, two years ago at Christmas in the lobby, I met a young woman, and when I met her, I felt the Holy Spirit pour over me and say, you are going to have a significant relationship with this young woman. And now fast forward two years, and let me tell you, at the end of that conversation, I didn't remember her name. So it's the next week, we're in student ministries. I said, what was the name of that girl that I met in the lobby after making hot chocolate? And what somebody said, Rachel. And then you fast forward two years later, and she is now part of our family and living with us. So ladies, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, whether you're married, whether you're not married, we need to keep our eyes open for those significant relationships, for those people that God places in front of us that he wants us to have, um, be able to love and encourage and grow. So I just wanted to add that. And I know I didn't tell you I'd do that. All right. <laughs> Good morning. My name is Amy Hall. I'm a single mom to boy, teenager, age 15. He's here in United. And um, fifth grade girl who's 11, she participates in Beach Kids. Good morning, everybody. My name is Sarah Deanna, and my husband, my husband, Damien, my husband, Damien, and I have two daughters. Um, Logan is seven, and Chandler is six. 
Hi, I am Taryn Hanna. Uh, my husband and I have three boys. Altum, um, who is wearing the vibrant Hawaiian shirt with basketball shorts in the video. Um, he's 10. Jorge, with the super awesome bed head over there, is 17. And um, Calvin is out on his own exploring the world, and he is 18. Um, and we have been foster and adoptive parents um, for about eight years. Awesome. So what we're going to do today, um, in Beach Kids, we have uh, five family values. And we're going to base five questions off of those five values. And uh, these are all from a book called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity, which is what parenting is, right? It's always beyond your capacity. And so the questions are based on those five values. So the first question um, has to do with the first value, which is, make it personal. And what that means is if your faith does not mean something to you, it will probably not mean something to your children. And so the first question is, why is your relationship with Jesus so important to how your child grows in faith? All right. So I know I'm the pastor's wife. And so you think I'm really holy and I have my quiet time every morning, but that has been one of my biggest struggles as a mother, because I am the personality that I will get up and I have everything ready. I have my, my devotional, my Bible. Um, I'm not good at journaling, but I still have a journal. And, um, and I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do my quiet time today, but then I look up and I see something that needs to be done or one of the kids would wake up or um, I think of something that I forgot to do yesterday. And so it has always been a struggle. I still strive to have my quiet time because I know, number one, I need it in my relationship with Christ to keep that intimacy so it will pour out and over into my family and with my children. But it has been a struggle that I've always, it's just this tug of war. Like I wanna do it and then, then I allow things to get in the way. But it is so important for your children to see you having that quiet time because our goal is that they will have that relationship with Christ and they will strive and they will really try not to be perfect, but to have that time, that quiet time with Christ. So um, we have to let them see the actions and hear the words for it to really resonate and to change their lives so that they can make that decision on their own. So um, for me, my daughters are 15 months apart. <laughs> um, and so they were both very much babies when, they, when I was a new mom, of course, but babies together. And for me, I needed a lot of grace from God for this time. So if you are a new mom or you're a new parent to a foster child or this, there's just so much newness for you in parenting, um, remember grace because my babies, we were in survival mode. There was no time for thinking about, how am I gonna show them my faith today? Like, it just wasn't, I was worried about getting a shower every day or, you know, what we were um, going to, how we were gonna get out of the house. So just remember that there's so much grace that surrounds this time. Um, and I'm just now coming up for air. They're six and seven. Um, and so now, you know, through that, we made it to church. We had that routine going. So while they didn't catch me doing my quiet time or things like that, they do now. But um, we made sure to keep a pattern of getting them into our community at church. Um, and that has been invaluable in this time as well. 
They, um, they're always watching, whether they're 15 months or 15 years or 35. And um, you never know what kind of example. You hope you're a certain example, but when they're choosing to watch. Um, for me, I think it's service. Um, your, your personal spiritual walk does vary so much depending on their age and stage, but getting out and being not selfish or helping even little things gets them in the habit of, of doing the same thing. Yeah. And what you were saying, Amy, about just they're always watching, you know, they can tell when you, like, lose your mind over the Jaguar game and you will do anything and everything possible to get to that game and then when it comes to church or when it comes to getting them to, you know, beach kids or student ministries, it's like ho-hum. Don't you have three or four other things you have to do? So they get that. And so that whole relationship with the Lord, not only, as Denise was saying, overflows into the way you love your kids, but also it says something to them about what's important in life. Um, the second value is just simply refers to widen the circle. It's interesting to me that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, when Moses goes to talk about handing off the faith to the next generation, you would think he would address the parents in the crowd. But he doesn't. He begins that by saying, hear, O Israel. Because what Moses knew is something that I think every parent really understands, that you can't parent alone. That um, all politics aside, it does take a village to raise up our children in the faith. And I know I as a parent, and I think you're gonna hear from these ladies, uh, has been so invaluable to strategically have people, other adults in our children's lives who are pouring into their faith alongside of us. And so uh, the question is, why it is important to surround your child or children with other adults who are pouring into their faith as well? And how are you doing this? So for us, um, entering parenting teenage boys on the fly, this has been a really crucial aspect of our, our parenthood journey. Um, I can tell my boys something 10,000 times, but if their life group leader says the same thing, <laughs> they come home with an epiphany of this like magical word from heaven that was spoken, and I just like politely like so um not not only fostering and adopting but just parenthood in general for for me is impossible without community and what better place to find that than here and so you know yeah I could find some moms at the park with kids the same age or you know at the PTA cafeteria meeting but knowing that the community I'm finding here we're all trying to raise our children in the same path, it just, it really makes a huge, huge difference. I've tried to do two things very strategically. One of them is my um, life group that meets every Wednesday is full of seven moms. And um, I learn from them all of the time. And I know that I can go there and get seven different ideas of what to do with my strong-willed six-year-old who doesn't want to wear shoes that day. Like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. um, but I have a community there that I know will hold me up when I feel like I can't do it um, and who will help give me advice for whatever's happening. But also, um, 
I needed to surround my girls with the next generation of moms because I wanted that perspective for them desperately. And so while it can always look like church, right, but it's also um, in your neighborhoods where you can find lessons for your children. And so one of the things I did is I wanted Denise to be around my girls. Um, And she is, of course, at church, but she also teaches them piano. Um, And so they get an extra dose of Denise every week. (laughs) Um, And I tell Denise all the time, they don't have to play a song. I don't care. I don't care if they actually learn (laughs) piano. I want her influence over my babies. um, And it's already been invaluable. So we can find ways um, outside of our community here to find people who can speak into their lives. Yeah. Um, I want to just kind of bounce off what you guys said. Is um, It is so important to have people in your children's lives both as their children and as adults, who will guide them like you would, as, as you guys said. Because there are times when they're not going to come to you, but you can think, oh man, they'll go to their life group leader. And I know their life group leader is going to um, give them similar advice as I would give them. And, um, but in being able to develop that, there's something that we have to really do for our children, and that is for them to have consistency. So, um, and I'm really passionate about this. So, um, for beach kids and for student ministries, I know our family dynamics are different. Some children aren't with you every single weekend. Um, Sometimes you have them every other weekend, but when you have them, to the best of your ability, I encourage you to have them at student ministries and at Beach Kids because relationships are not formed by sporadic visits to church. And in order to have those relationships be built with love and trust so that when they come to the point that they need to hear from someone besides mom or dad, they'll go to that person because that relationship is a trusting relationship. So. So, uh, the third value is imagine the end. Imagine the end. And, uh, you know, it's kind of easy for time just to slip away, right? Everything gets, you get so caught up in the urgent of parenting, and one day you come up for air and you realize they're 18 years of age and they're moving on. And so time can happen so quickly. And so what we do in the moment that really does look ahead to, to, to what we hope and pray would be God's preferred future for our children. It's so important to have that target in your mind in the day-to-day of life so that every decision, every interaction with our kids, it, you're, you're always looking to um, who does God want them to be one day because we're not raising children, we're raising adults. And so that's the goal. And so, you know, what is God's preferred future for the adult version of our children as they grow up? So uh, the question is, uh, imagine the end is parenting in the moment with God's preferred future in mind for your child. Why is this so important? I think, not to be cliche, bouncing off our sermon series, but we're building a foundation um, of character. What, what I want for my children is deep character values that are Christ-centered. 
um, honesty, loyalty, integrity, um, responsibility, things that if they're rooted in that, no matter what they end up being or doing in life, and whomever they choose as their life partner, they're gonna seek those things out as well. So all of the things we've already talked about, you know, our walk, surrounding them with a larger community, that's, that's where they're gonna develop those things. Anybody else? Yes. <laughs> um, as um, I think about my children who are adults, um, our children who are adults, is um, the number one thing that I always kept in my head and my heart is that I wanted them to grow up and have a relationship with Jesus that's their own. And a relationship with Jesus where they can have that intimacy and they have that time and they make it a priority in their life. And because of that relationship, they chase after the passions and gifts God has given them in order to do what they do for the rest of their lives. So my children may have chosen something in their life that maybe I didn't think that they would do, but because of who they are and they believe that they're fearfully and wonderfully made and God has a plan and a purpose for their life, they chased after that because you know what? Their gifts are different than my gifts. Their passions are different than my passions. And um, something that my parents did really well was um, they always told me that Jesus loved me and they always told me to chase after what God's desire for my life on this earth is. And so I tried to do that for our children. That reminded me of something too that... Um, it's difficult not to constantly encourage them to perform well by the world's standards. So grades and jobs and careers and money, that's what the world tells us is important. Um, yes, Jorge, you still need to pass 11th grade. I, I see you. Um, <laughs> but my constant reminder to the boys is just loving people. Um, if we're not doing that, then none of that other stuff matters. And then we're going to get to the end and it's all going to feel pointless. So setting yourself up in life to be at a position so that you're financially secure, so that you can help other people, or so that you're in a place where maybe you have an extra bedroom in your room that you could love on a kiddo in need. And so you have to, you know, obviously do the things in the world to get to that point. But the number one goal is then to use those things to love and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. The, the fourth value is fight for the heart. And, and I hope everybody leans into this one because this one is one that sometimes we can miss in the middle of parenting. Uh, I think that when uh, you're seeking to be a parent, you know, there's always, uh, you want to discipline your children and, and discipline is something that is like guardrails that really help our children move in a certain direction, giving them some space, but yet also moving in a direction where they learn responsibility. They learn a lot of the character things that Taryn was talking about. Uh, but in the midst of that, here's the reality. They will definitely crash through your guardrails and you will find yourself at times very frustrated and even disappointed and what we do in those moments 
is critical. Because, you know, I heard Andy Stanley, a pastor one time say, in your relationships, you know, you can win the, you can win the argument or you can win the relationship. And sometimes it's so important that in the midst of how we're raising up our children to be responsible and to, in a sense, you know, stay within some of the guardrails, we also learn to fight for their hearts. And that's something we can learn about all of our relationships with one another, as well as with the next generation. And so um, the question is, how have you fought for your children's hearts and the relationship while still keeping, while still creating guardrails and teaching them responsibility? Guys, this one is very hard. (laughs) This one is very hard. Um, And one of the things that this question makes me think of is um, how many parallels there are in how God parents and gives us guardrails and then how I can translate that that view is paralleled in how I see my children. And so um, my girls could not be any more different. Um, They may be close together in age. In every way possible, they are different. And so everything is different. Um, And that was one of the things that threw me for a loop. So I was like, well, this worked for this one. It's not going to work for you. What? So, um, (laughs) but I have to remember um, God's perspective on all of us. Of course, his approach to winning our hearts and knowing what's going to work for us is going to be different for me than it is for Taryn, than it is for Amy, than it is for Denise. And so, um, and Jerry, sorry. Um, But one of the things that I have to hold on to is my perspective on seeing them as different people and then also paying attention um, to what wins their heart Um, and how, you know, my oldest loves guardrails. She is all about them. My youngest, nope, she doesn't like them and she'll ask why and then it's like, oh, there's the line. Well, I'm going to step over it or I'm going to dip my toe. And so, again, it comes full circle where I go to my life group and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing um, because they're so different. But I have to remind myself daily that it is that perspective of God over our hearts that's now over. He's trusted me with these kids and I have to see them as very different Um, children who are going to grow into that relationship with the Lord. I think it's um, doubly difficult because doing what's right and doing what the rest of the world are doing is two entirely different things. And that unfortunately gets more challenging as they get older. Um, I had a conversation with my 15-year-old the other day about his cell phone and his privacy and, and whatnot. And what does that look like to him and what it looks like to me? Um, And that was two very different things. But also we had the conversation, which was definitely a thumbs up, and that it leaves the door open for more conversation. And I told him, I said, I have never been the mother of a 15-year-old boy before. And he's like, So, and I also tell them, I'm sorry, or I've messed up, or I don't have all the answers, but this is, this is the way we're going. The, the path might be bumpy, but we're still going together. Yeah. Yes, um, isn't it cool that God makes our children all different? Mm-hmm. 
because if they're all the same, it would just be, ah, you know, but, um, and it still is a little overwhelming, but um, yeah, as, as the children were small, um, Ryan was strong-willed. I know it's hard for you to imagine that. And um, Ashley, I could look at her and it was just, you know, and then Lindsay was a little um, in between, but I want to share a time where I really screwed up badly. And I know Jerry's shared it before, but it's really my story. Um, and so um, when Ryan was in ninth grade, he was at, he, they had split session because the school was overcrowded. So he'd stay up really late at night. And um, Jerry and I had both fallen asleep on the love seat in the couch. And I guess he's doing homework and there was a candle lit. And at one point I wake up and he's sitting on the table with this Kleenex going like this. And I said, Ryan, that's going to catch on fire and you're going to get burned. He's ninth grade. And, um, and so then I kind of drifted off to sleep. And then suddenly I wake up and the carpet's on fire. <laughs> and I went ballistic. I was so angry with him. I'm like yelling and telling him to get to his room. I don't want to see him. I was so angry, guys, that I had to get in the car and drive around the neighborhood just to calm myself down. And um, so fast forward next morning, I feel horrible. I knew what he did was totally wrong, but what I did was totally wrong as well. And so I went to his high school and I said, I need to see Ryan Sweat. And they said, oh, are you checking him out? I said, no, I just need to see him. And they kind of looked at me and they, they said, so you're not taking him home? I said, no, I can just talk to him outside in the hall at, in the class, you know, at school, outside of this classroom. And um, so they said, okay, we'll have a student assistant walk you down. And so I walked down um, and they got Ryan out and he came out and um, I, I'm, I'm like bawling. I said, Ryan, I am here because I need to tell you that I am sorry. How I handled this was horrible. And, and I have no excuse. And I just needed it. I said, I was up all night. I've been crying all morning. And I knew God told me this cannot wait. This has to happen now. And so that's when I got in my car and drove to the school. And um, we still talk about that. And I think that was a significant moment in our relationship when um, even though he knows and that what he did was wrong and every time I looked at that carpet that was black, it really <laughs> kind of, ooh. <laughs> but um, but, but I, I totally handled it wrong. And, um, and I learned a lot from that. I learned that sometimes you just need to breathe first. Yeah. And keep in mind too, I mean, we're all imperfect, you know, we're all sinners saved by grace. You know, God ultimately put the relationship as most important and that's what Jesus at the cross is all about. It didn't take away the fact that we were sinners and that we had, we had broken, you know, God's laws, but at the same time, God moved on our behalf for the sake of the relationship. And so um, we're not always going to get it right as parents. And that's why it's so important that we, you know, do what we can to pour into the relationship because that will be the ultimate thing that gives us more and more opportunities to pour into their lives and shape their lives. Uh, the, the final value 
is create a rhythm. And uh, in Deuteronomy 6, as Moses was calling the people to raise up the next generation in faith, he mentions taking God's word and impressing God's word on our children. And he said, when you sit down and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them upon the door frames of your homes. And that was a biblical way of saying that it's important to find regular rhythms within the course of family life and life in general for, uh, to talk about faith matters, to talk about questions of faith, to talk about, um, you know, what does it mean uh, that God loves us and is for us? And so uh, the question is, what kind of rhythms have you sought to create in your family's day-to-day to build faith in the life of your children? Um, One of the things that um, has birthed out of my own brokenness um, in our home is um, we do a devotional with our kids during breakfast. And I say that this was birthed out of something not great is because I started to notice a pattern with myself where I would get them food, we made it to the breakfast table, we've done it. And then I was like, great. And I would sit with my phone and I would scroll Instagram or I would text my husband at work, like, I've done it. They're eating bananas. Like, yeah. Um, but I was on my phone and I would look up and they'd be done or whatever, but I missed about a 20 minute window where they're sitting still and where, like, they might not listen, but they're sitting still and I have a captive audience. And so um, at one of my baby showers, again, this is why we need community, I received um, a gift of a preschool devotional book, and um, I was convicted that every morning I would put my phone somewhere else and get out our preschool devotional book. Um, And so now we've been doing it for about three years, every morning at breakfast, and like, it's never perfect. (laughs) It's really not. Um, But... You know, like Chandler will be like, Mom, I can't hear you. I'm chewing. Like, what are you doing? I'm chewing here. I can't hear you. Um, Or one of them gets up to go do something else. I'm like, hello, we're not done. Like, let's circle back. Um, So it's never perfect. um, But it is one of those little things where I know that for those couple of minutes, I've captured at least something. Um, and so it's been working really great for us and it's something that has become a rhythm so much now that they're, they, if, we're, if I'm distracted or not doing it, they run and get, mommy, where's our Bible book? We need our Bible book. What's our lesson today? And they, they hold me accountable. And um, that's something that is just so beautiful to me is now my littles are running up and saying, we've got to do our devotional time. Uh, one, there's two things that, um, as the kids have gotten older, I have really found is important. Um, I grew up in a home where doubting and asking questions about faith were not really encouraged activities. So we just, you know, we did, I was raised in the church, but I didn't have the freedom to wonder about things that didn't really line up or make sense. Um, so I'm doing that now as an adult, um, which is interesting. Um, but I'm also opening that door for my kids. Um, and also, they came to me later on in life and I have no clue what they have learned or been taught. And so keeping an open door when they are confused or don't understand something or the Bible sounds weird and they wanna talk about it, 
Um, it's just such an important aspect and routine that we can open that door, whether it's at dinner time or family devotional time or, um, you know, bedtime tends to be chatty so that you get an extra 20 minutes before, you know, falling asleep. So um, just showing up and, and letting them ask questions without shame um, is really important um, and serving together. You know, I feel really close to my kids when we're knocking down a wall or painting something or power washing something. It just, you know, I know that's what Jesus wants us to do. And so if we, sometimes we feel like maybe they're too small or they won't get it, but it really just cements that family bond like nothing else. Anybody else? All right. Well, um, yeah, one of the things that when we talk about creating rhythms, I remember, um, you know, as as the kids were growing up, just developing certain things that would just happen during everyday conversations. I think we, you know, a lot of times parents think, well, if we go to church, then we'll let the church people talk about faith matters. And the truth is, you don't have to have a degree, you don't have to go to seminary to have conversations with our kids about God and about faith. And um, I remember, you know, and I always use this example. I know this is probably a goofy example, but like if you've got a little toddler and you're taking them out on a walk, you can look at flowers and say, oh, look at the pretty flowers. Or you can stop and say, look at the pretty flowers that God made. Just as simple as that, it's bringing God into the conversation early and often. And I'll never forget too, one of the things that happened with our student ministry, I think they, um, back when our kids were in student ministry, they gave out a, um, I think it was, a, uh, it was like a window cling or a sticker or something that uh, just said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And our kids put that on their bathroom mirror. And just every day as they looked into the mirror, even in the midst of the troubled times and the difficult times, they would see that, you know, it talks about putting it on the, the doorframe of your house. You know, they saw that promise of God. This is who you are. And we would try to say that to them often. You know, remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And just those kinds of things go a long, long way. Um, you know, things that show up in the daily and things that show up on your calendar are the things that say to our kids, oh, this must matter. And so creating rhythms like that is an important way that we help our children. So um, as we finish up today, uh, first of all, I want to take this opportunity for all of us to thank our panelists for being here today. And, uh, and I want to take a moment just to pray for all of us. Um, and, and as I do, I want to remind us that Shaping the hearts of the next generation is not just a biological mother thing. It's an adoptive mother thing. It's a foster mother thing. It's a mentor thing. It's a, it's a teacher. It's a neighbor. If you are close to anyone in the next generation and have any kind of influence, you never know the ripple effect of your relationship with that child or teenager. And what you might say as an encouraging word, what you might live out as an example, um, can make a huge difference in that child's life for all of eternity. 
And so um, I want to pray for all of us. I know Mother's Day can be a very emotional day for a lot of reasons. For some of us, we have our mothers. For some of us, our mothers have already gone on from this life. Um, for some of us, we had great examples in mothers. For some of you, maybe you had a really difficult example. They tried the best they could, but it still wound up being a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and maybe counseling for years to come. But um, on this day, uh, we want to remember uh, what it means to have an impact on the next generation uh, and to, to help them have everything they need so that one day they will make the most important decision to enter into the most important relationship that will impact their lives forever. And so let's take a moment just to pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity to um, celebrate this day and to celebrate mothers. God, we pray that um, we would just remember that no matter what kind of place we have in life, we have influence. And there are children and teenagers of the next generation that God, you have placed a responsibility in our hands. Not just parents, but all of us have an opportunity to influence the next generation for Jesus. And uh, God, we just pray that as a church, we pray as individuals, that God, you would help us to see our place and to see the opportunities all around us every day. Give us wisdom, give us words of encouragement, fill our hearts with the promises of God. Allow us, Lord, to serve and give our time, whether that's being a coach, whether that's just a neighbor, whether that's in your job. God, maybe it's just being a neighbor to a little child. In every way, shape, and form, God, would you use our lives and our influence to impact the next generation, that they will know there is a God who loves them, a God who is for them, a God who ultimately sent his only son because he so wanted a relationship with us. And God, we pray that in all ways, God, you would use our lives to hand off the baton of faith to the next generation. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's podcast. We'd love to connect with you and hear from you on how this week's podcast impacted you. You can always connect with us through our app, Beach Church Jacks, which is found on the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. And you can always go to our website, beachchurchjacks.com. Have a great day.